Welcome to the Swim Swim Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, head swimming coach at Army West Point, Brant Nigro. Brant, what's up, man? How's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. with a guy in high school who went to West Point. That is the only connection I have to West Point ever. Mm-hmm. So I'm, did I'm he excited. Swim at West Point? Say what? Did he swim at West Point? He, I think he did for a little while. His name is Michael okay. Sheehan. It was okay. like, yeah, it's a while ago, I think. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear a little bit about your perspective. Um, I met you when I came down to NC State uh, a couple of years ago and you were the assistant coach there. I'm excited to pick your brain about, about some stories with the pack and uh, about your swimming history. Let's, let's get started there. Um, tell Sounds me good. about your swimming roots, how you got into the sport, um, and how you got into coaching. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm originally from Bristol, Connecticut. Um, swam in Connecticut, uh, Bristol, Connecticut, and some club teams in the area. Um, and eventually going on to swimming college, I, I went to the College of Charleston, down in Charleston, South Carolina which uh, sadly was, was cut a few, few years ago. Um, but, you know, post-college, went back to Connecticut and uh, got started in coaching so randomly. You know, when, when I hung up, you know, the Speedo and the goggles at the end of my college career, really had no intentions of getting involved in coaching, getting involved in, in swimming. I, I, I kind of had, had my piece of the sport and, you know, was ready to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was working as a bartender, oddly, um, and to pay for my grad school. And I ran into a former teammate of mine from my high school swimming days. And he was like, hey, did you hear that, you know, Bristol Eastern, which is you know, one of the schools that I went to when I was um, going through high school, um, has an opening for an assistant swim coaching position. I'm like, oh, interesting. He's like, yeah, it pays this much money. I'm like, whoa, that's some <laughs> easy money. That's going to pay for like, you know, almost a whole semester worth of grad classes. And so I, you know, I jumped at that opportunity as a way really just kind of help supplement some income and stepped on pool deck on, on day one. And, and probably within the first 400 yards of that first practice, I realized that was something that spoke to me and connected to me deeper than probably anything I've ever been involved in. And, you know, haven't looked back since. And, and really from that moment, um, did everything I could from, from a club perspective or a high school perspective or volunteering with colleges and to really just learn as much as I could about the sport and about the career of a, of a coach. And, uh, and then kind of just went from there and, you know, it's, it's been an incredible last few years and an incredible journey. And I'm, I'm definitely very lucky to have, have had that conversation as a, as a bartender, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So. Yeah, sure. I, uh, it, you know, looking at your resume, you have, you know, you've been through the coach's journey. Uh, obviously you're still on it, but, as, 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 as we all know in swimming, I think coaches, you know, make a lot of different stops on their, on their way to where they want to go, wherever that might be. You're in your first, you know, D1 head coaching position, but you've done, you've been a lot of places on the way. A few highlights, again, as we said, you were an assistant at NC State. Uh, you made a stop at UMBC while Emily Escobedo was there, who I got the privilege to, uh, 
to meet and spend some time with this past fall. Um, great person, great athlete. Um, you know, you, you, you've been, you've been quite a few places. Um, so to take, take me through that journey. Um, when you, when you first got that high school coaching position, where did you go from there? Yeah. So, you know, I, I stayed with, with that high school program through my grad school years, um, and eventually graduated and, uh, worked as a school psychologist actually in, in Connecticut for about seven, seven years total, um, which is, um, looking back on it, I, I'm so glad for that experience. I think having that educational experience going through, uh, you know, a, a dual master's program where you know, I'm really learning the psychological perspective um, and then kind of growing up as a coach while going through that educational process and, and really finding ways to connect what I was learning in school, what I was doing in the school setting with, with the, you know, the, the students that I was working with, but then also being on full deck as a coach. Um, it, it really kind of tied things together, I think, in a really uh, meaningful way for me and, and to kind of shape who I am as a coach. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I kind of worked up the ladder as a high school coach, eventually becoming a head coach of a high school team. Um, but I got to a point where um, I, I was having some success with my swimmers, but because I was tied to a full-time job in the school setting, you know, I'd have kids going to, you know, Y nationals or sectional meets or, or future meets. And I couldn't go because I had to be at work. So I'd send them with other coaches. And, and I got to the point where I was like, I, that's what I want to be doing. That's where I want to be. And, 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 you know, it's as much as I love the job as a school psychologist and I would not go back and undo that. I wanted to be with my swimmers. I wanted to be part of that process. And, um, you know, and I had the opportunity to work at the Eastern zone select camp. Um, one year I was selected by USA swimming to be one of the coaches at the select camp. And it just so happened to be at UMBC. And when I went there, I met Chad Craddock, the head coach. And again, I think success is often through hard work, but also timing. And um, I, when I met Chad, it just so happened that one of the assistants on the staff that week was stepping down. And by the end of the week, I, you know, had a really good connection with him. And as he drove me back to the airport, I said, look, look, if, if you have any interest in, in possibly talking about me coming and, and joining your staff here at UMBC, um, let me know, because I think it would be an amazing opportunity. I'd love to work for you. And two weeks later, I got a phone call. And then, and then that really kind of just took me from there. And then again, you know, being at the right place at the right time. Um, with Emily Escobedo be, being a member of the UMBC. So we got to go to NCAs, you know, each of the years that I was there. I mean, we almost, you know, finished in the top 25 at NCAs, which was, was just amazing. So um, I definitely had some, some good luck, but I also, you know, worked really hard to, and, and made some really good connections and, and learned from some of the best coaches out there. And that kind of what took me in my journey. And then eventually going to uh, Marshall University, where I had the opportunity to work with the sprint group there and, and coach a, a young lady named Serena Rowe, um, who now is at NC State. Um, and in our one year there, we, she, you know, probably what I would call the most improved swimmer in the NCAA. She, you know, she dropped almost 1.3 seconds in the 53 and, and went from a, a really good swimmer to one of the best sprinters in the country and, and maybe even in the world. And, uh, you know, qualifying for NCAs there, you know, and it just kind of rolled itself into an opportunity to be at NC State and, and things like that. So um, it, it's been an interesting journey for sure. Yeah. What, uh, tell me about your time at Marshall. Um, how did you only spend one year there as well? Yeah, it was, it was one year. Um, and it, it was a, 
you know, it was an, it was a move that I had to make for the my professional, but it was, it was tough on my family. My, my wife was actually in grad school in Baltimore still, cause she had started it when we were at UMBC and, and basically partway through, it was a situation where, um, you know, I, I had this opportunity to go to Marshall, which I, I needed to do from a professional standpoint, but it was really hard because, you know, she was commuting back and forth from West Virginia to Baltimore. It's not an easy drive. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, that one year, um, you know, I put everything I could into it and, and my wife is insanely supportive and, and loving and as big of a fan of, of my coaching as, as anybody in the world. And, uh, um, but after that one year, you know, I think again, the timing was right. And, you know, I, through the, my journeys, I, I made some really good connections with Braden and, and Bobby Gontoro down at, uh, at NC state. And again, timing was everything. And, just so happened that's when Todd took the job at UVA and there was a, a spot open on the NC State staff and Bobby wanted somebody that can come and work with female sprinters and again it just so happened to be the the right time and and, and so I got that call and never forget that time where I got this call uh, you know from Braden and Bobby asking me to come join their staff at NC State it was ridiculous I, I had to like pinch myself to make sure I wasn't you know dreaming kind of thing um, and, and, and so that kind of, and that, that took me there and, and obviously, you know, working the opportunity to work with Brayden and, and his staff and, and learn from them and be around that team is, it's, you can't put a price on it. It's, it's an unbelievable experience. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you feel like you gained from that one, you know, one year, even for coaches, that's a fairly quick stop. What do you feel like you gained from that one year working with those sprinters, especially with Serena? Are you at Marshall or with? Oh, sorry, yeah, at Marshall. At Marshall? Um, I, I think that was my first opportunity to really kind of just explore my ideas and, and my, um, you know, my philosophies at the college level and, and really to kind of do what I want, what, what I thought was best. And so really just kind of getting to know them. And, 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 and that's where our, some of my previous connections, like I, I had spent a lot of time talking with Bobby on the phone and Braden on the phone and, and even Todd Sorbo on the phone. And hey, what do you do with your sprinters? How do you develop the underwater dolphin kick? What do you do, to do you know, for, for this perspective? And, um, and, and then that gave me that opportunity with, with really talented, hardworking young ladies to, to put some of those ideas into practice. And um, I mean, that for me as a, as a young coach, that, that stop, you know, changed the game for me, for real. Um, and, um, and then I think from there, again, it's just opening the doors. Because I think there's a lot of young coaches out there um, that have a lot of skills and have the drive and they just need to, make sure they make those connections and are patient enough to, for when that opportunity arises to be ready for it. And, and I think that's kind of what, what happened with me and, and my situation there at Marshall that, you know, kind of rolled into to NC state and, and then beyond. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about NC state. I'm guessing you might have a few fun stories from your stop there. You were there for two years. Um, but yeah, when, once you actually get to Raleigh and get on campus, um, you know, how did that experience differ from, say, a Marshall? Yeah, I think I think the the biggest difference um, from NC State from anywhere else that I've ever coached is is the you know the belief and the the freedom to to try to do things in a different way. Um, you know, Braden, I think from from day one at NC State, and, and I was a huge NC State fan long before I even got involved in, into college swimming, watching Braden, what he did and uh, what he did there. It's just inspiring and it's fun to watch. You know, you, you kind of become like a junkie of, oh man, what are they going to do next kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and being on deck and being in that environment where, you know, the, the, the normal rules and the normal 
um, ways of training and, and thinking and even team building, you know, kind of go out the window and you, you, you kind of have that confidence and that freedom to, to do things a different way. And um, I think that's a lot of how I coach, which, which is what kind of why I connected so well with them and, um, and, and got that opportunity. I think they saw a lot of my skills matching what, what they like to do. Um, and I don't even know if I answered your question directly there. I kind of rambled a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's totally fine. Um, yeah. do you, do you have one or two favorite stories from your time at NC state? Oh, I, that's a tough one. I mean, there, there's so many favorites, like in, in terms of just moments, I think, you know, looking back on my first year going to NCAs and, and watching Anton Ibsen win the mile, I think, you know, it was like a, you know, a 15 minute party, you know, it was just like the most energy I've ever seen a, a group of athletes and, and coaches just celebrate. And I mean, that was such a big moment for the, for the program and, and for, for Braden and, and also Gary Taylor at the time who was leading that. I remember that race. I mean, it was just like a mosh pit for, for 800 yards of celebration, like when, <laughs> when he was throwing down. Yeah. So I'll definitely remember that. And I, I think, um, ACCs and, uh, I guess that would be what 2019 when, when our women, um, you know, kind of fought back and, and, and beat UVA in a, a back and forth match um, was probably my, my most exciting, my favorite moment. And, and, and really just, just the way the girls came together in that moment um, and, and really performed and stepped up and did, and, and not just in the pool, but like on the board as well. It was just an amazing family effort. And, and I think uh, that's definitely something that stands out. In terms of fun, you know, I've never played so much spike ball in my life. Um, that was something that we did there pretty religiously. And that was always a good time. But again, it was, it was this combination of putting your heart and soul into what you do as, as professional, but also being able to have fun and relax and, and enjoy the moments and enjoy each other, which, which now as a head coach, I'm trying to instill here with, with what we're doing as a team and as a staff and, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me about West Point. How did, how did you end up there? Um, you know, what, what inspired you to leave a program like NC state to go and try to lead somewhere like army? Yeah, I, I think there was a, a number of factors. I, like I said before, I'm originally from Connecticut and you know, the coaching journey is, is a necessary part of, you know, climbing that, that ladder and, and, and getting yourself out there and making those connections. But, you know, I, I did, have a sense of wanting to get back closer to home where, where family and friends. Um, my wife is also from Connecticut and, you know, there's a lot of holidays that, you know, we weren't able to be with family cause we were elsewhere and, and, and with the world of swimming and, and, you know, winter training trips or, or winter, um, you know, training where you can't necessarily go home and visit for a week because, you know, you gotta be back for practice and, and things like that. It, it got tough. So I, I think there was that personal, you know, appeal to it where, you know, it allowed me to, to get back to my roots a little bit. Um, but then beyond that, you know, I've had the opportunity through my, my club and club coaching days to, to coach a number of swimmers that went through the West Point swimming and diving program. And, and as of, as recently as of 2019, one of the team captains was a kid that I coached when he was in high school. And uh, when that opportunity presented itself, you know, he, I think, I think I got a call from him before it was the job was even posted. He's like, Hey coach, you know, you know, everything that you've done for me and, and what you, you did to prepare me for West Point, I think this would be an amazing opportunity. And, and he kind of sold me on not just what the program could do, but like West Point in, in general, because um, it's a really incredible university. I mean, there's so many things here that um, I think people in general don't necessarily know as much about. Um, 
but it's, it's really a, an amazing journey. So as I was going through the process and learning about that and learning about the academic side of things and learning about the professional opportunities that this place provides for its graduates. And then, um, and then from an athletic standpoint, seeing the facilities and seeing the resources and the fact that like we had almost everything that a power five school has. Um, and then we have, you know, all the other perks of, you know, an, almost an Ivy league education and, and things that come along with the West Point experience, it really spoke to me as a place that really was a sleeping giant that had had so much potential. Um, I mean, you, you, so so it sounds like a pretty a pretty nice place. What was that interview process like? What you know, once you found all this out, um, how excited were you to to get that job? And and what was kind of your first? What were your first orders of business once you were finally the head coach? Yeah, I think. Uh, the interview process, it, 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 West Point's unfair because the second you step on campus, like it's, it's love at first sight. You know, we always say, even when we're, when we're recruiting now, it's like if we get them on campus, it's, it's you know, it's pretty much over because you step on campus and with the Hudson and the Hills um, and it, just the, the history and the feel of this place is, it's, it's electric. It's, it's the most be- one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Um, you almost feel like you're not in the United States when you're on, on campus here, just the, the look of it all. So I woke up that morning for my interview and, and looked out my hotel window. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, honey, come look. And we were, we had a hotel that was right on the Hudson River. And I was like, yeah, this is this might already be over at this point. But um, you know, the, the interview process was amazing. I think, you know, beyond all the the things that come along with West Point, you're surrounded by amazing people. Um, you know, the kind of people that come to West Point, not just as cadets, but also the staff members and people you get to work with. Um are really incredible people. So I think that made me feel really comfortable and supported. And, and, and I felt like I was going to be in a situation where as long as I did everything I could and worked as hard as I could, that we could really, you know, do something special here. And um, our, we had a brand new AD. It's kind of ironic. Um, the old AD from West Point actually took the AD job at NC State. Um, and then I, came up to West Point after that. But anyway, so we had a brand new AD and I was actually his first hire as, as you know, as his new role as a head athletic director here at West Point. And, uh, you know, and I just, it just clicked really well. He very supportive um, and, and on board with all of our goals and the visions that we have for this program. And, and, and he's kept his word and has been very supportive ever since. So um, it just felt right. And I, I think when I got here, um, I was very fortunate to have a, um, kind of like a holdover from the previous staff and, and Jacob Sire, who just so happens to be a graduate from NC State. So we have that, um, that connection in terms of, you know, the way we think as coaches, what we think of in terms of team culture and team chemistry and the energy you want to bring on a pool deck every day. Okay. Um, you know, he swam for, for Braden for a couple of years and was a team captain. So, I mean, he's, as, you know, has that same background that I have and, so that clicked really well. And, and to know that he was going to be on my staff made that, you know, that transition pretty exciting, but also much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was able to, you know, hire a really good staff. That, that, that had to be the first order of business because um, the, the hiring was pretty late. I, don't, I didn't really start here until the team was already about two or three weeks into practice. So it was a, a late hire and it was a, a weird transition mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of that. And then to make matters even more interesting, I got married two weeks after <laughs> I took the job and, uh, and my wedding was down in North Carolina because we were living there. We're like, hey, let's just get married in North Carolina and make everybody come to us. And then yeah. we ended up having to <laughs> fly to our own wedding. So sure. <laughs> um, 
so it was an interesting first month, but you know, I think putting a, a, a strong staff in place was, was really my first order of business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and this was the fall, this was just last fall, correct? This, yeah. Yeah. Just, so I'm on my like 13 month anniversary right now. So, okay. um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a, a quick, weird first year, especially considering, you know, you could go into that first year transition and you're like, okay, got through the first year. Now we can kind of like really get to, you know, connecting with an athletes and, and really build the culture we want. And then, and then COVID hits and then we're in quarantine for the, the next six, seven months. So, right. um, you know, it was, a, you know, a quick transition and then COVID. So, you know, it's, it's been an interesting first 13, 13 months for sure. Definitely. Um, yeah. So take me through that, that first season. How do you feel like it went? What were some of the ups and downs that you experienced, especially as a first year head coach? Yeah, I think, you know, when, when you take over a program, um, even when you're doing things the right way and, and, and the way they should be done to, to move the program in the direction that it needs to go in. Um, you're exposing people that are used to X, Y, and Z to, to new ideas and new schedules and new practice styles. And, and so I think that it, it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of teaching. It's a lot of being patient and really explaining what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, and I think along with that, I, I, you know, obviously you're, you're not, just in your, your mode where you're just cruising along and training hard, you, you really have to stop and, and reset and teach um, and, and make those connections. You know, it's, it's, you know, there's always a lot of excitement around a new hire, but then when the desk dust settles, it's like, okay, well now we got to, you know, get to know each other and we have to figure out what works for you and, and, and how my coaching can connect with what you're doing. And, um, and then it wasn't just for me, it was an entire new staff other than Jacob. So, you know, it was a lot of that. Um, but I think, and I think overall the team, the season went really well. And I think the team um, has learned kind of what we expect and where we're going and why we're doing the things that we're going to be doing. And uh, um, I think the, we're in a really good spot now. I, I think we utilize the COVID quarantine time to really get to know each other, even if it was done through phone calls or virtual meetings, um, to continue educating and connecting. And, and so I think we're in a really good spot and, and, you know, whatever happens this season happens, but um, the future is definitely where we're in the right direction at this point. Sure. The, so, yeah. I mean, as a, as a coach, you, you sent the kids home in March, I'm guessing, you know, during the COVID and then um, during the COVID shutdown. And then did you not see them in person for, I mean, until August, are they on campus now? What, what was your yep. situation like for, for the shutdown? Yeah, so we had our, our last practice um, and, you know, had our team team cheer. And then I was like, all right, I'll see you guys Monday for you know, next week's workout. And then things just unraveled quick, like it, like it did everywhere. And, and they pretty much all dispersed and went home after that. And I did not see really anybody on the team other than some of the staff members in person until probably late July. Um, West Point was able to bring cadets back in waves. Um, to so they could do some of their summer trainings and, and things like that. So they started coming back and I wasn't able to see them, you know, when they first got back here because they had the two week, you know, quarantine and, and, and all that. Um, but then I started seeing them in, in bits and pieces and then eventually um, kind of got the whole team together starting in early August. Um, we weren't able to get into full training by any means, but we were able to at least get back together and have outdoor meetings and, and, and kind of talk and connect and, you know, kind of get back on the same page with each other. So 
yeah, and, and the whole team, the whole the whole school is back. That's one of the the cool things about West Point in a situation like that is they can kind of monitor the coming and going of people a little bit easier than you can at a, a normal university, mm-hmm. and uh, so they're able to um, kind of protect the bubble a little bit better. So everybody's here, you know, they they have in person classes. There, there's some hybrid and some online class options as well. Sure, but um, for the most part, you know, it's everybody's back and it's kind of business as usual, if you will. Gotcha. And uh, how many, how big is West Point? West Point is about a little less than 5,000 students. Okay. So it's about 1,200 or so per class. So it's, it's not, it's not huge by any means, but um, you know, it's, it's a good size. So. Yeah. It seems like a good COVID size for sure. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Columbia, Missouri and the zoo is, a little bigger than that. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, so that's, yeah, again, that seems like a nice, a nice size for where we're at, uh, in history right now. Um, but you know, the, is, is the, it, in terms of you guys, in terms of the swim team, are you guys kind of back to normal as well? Are you able to practice? What, what, what is your practice schedule looking like? Yeah, so we are, are back in the water training. Um, I was able to um, work out a thing. So our, and this is NCA rules and, and whatever, but we were able to move our season start date up a little bit so we could get going a little sooner. Um, but so as of August 31st, we were back in season. So um, we were, you know, we're, we're back, back in a normal practice schedule, but because of social distancing we, and, and splitting the team, we're really only able to do one practice per day. So we're not back to, you know, doubles by any means. and. And we're really taking this opportunity to kind of reset and, and, and patiently build back up. So we're, we're doing a lot of skill work, a lot of drills, a lot of introducing the team to, you know, or reintroducing the team to our training philosophies and things that we want to, you know, really incorporate into this year rather than just being like, oh, we got to get back in shape and, 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 and really, you know, burning them out before we really need to get to that point. Um, so we're taking our point. We're taking our time. Um, and then prior to August 31st, they were able to do some optional swims on their own. Um, so we weren't able to coach per se, but the pool was open. They could come in and the team did a really good job of taking advantage of, of those opportunities to get in and train. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know, I know a lot of teams right now are in kind of, uh, similar places, um, in terms of, you know, easing back in, not able to do their normal practice schedule. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, if you could share a, a couple specifics on drills, skills, or, you know, just how, how are you guys relearning things right now? Um, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure a lot of uh, club coaches, college coaches are, are looking for similar ideas. Yeah. So we, we are, um, the, the way we split up here, and, and again, it's, it's kind of to help protect the students a little bit more through contact tracing is basically their training groups are, are split up based on what dorms they live in and, and, and okay. whatnot. So it has nothing to do with hey sprinters over here and butterflies over here. So we're just mixed in men and women, um, regardless of events, we're all doing the same thing right now. And, and again, that's twofold one to reset from a physical standpoint, but also just to get the team intermingled um, and, and just connected at a, at a deeper level. And uh, so we're really breaking it down where, you know, each day, regardless of if you will ever touch a breaststroke in your entire competitive career here, you know, we got a breaststroke day and everybody's, you know, learning the breaststroke drills and the common things that we'll do with our, our breaststrokers. And, 
and we're, we're really focusing on each stroke. So we have a butterfly, you know, we start each week with freestyle, we go free, then breast, then back and then fly. And then we have a little IM day. And then we end the w- week with a, a good freestyle swim kick set. Um, and, and everybody's doing that. So, um, and, and, and I'm really, I like the way it's going. And, and honestly, I think looking back, uh, you know, or looking forward, you know, regardless of COVID, I, I, I want to re- kind of start seasons like this from now on, because I just think it, it's, it, the IM train training is a really good way to kind of put some cross training into your swimming so that you're working all the muscles and, 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 you know, learning your body awareness and getting comfortable, you know, doing breaststroke pullouts and being underwater and, and, and things like that, that you might not typically do. And, and I think it's a good way to, um, just get back into the swing of things and just feel comfortable in the water again. Um, and then as the weeks unroll, you know, roll out, then the training will become a little bit more intense. Um, we're doing a lot of underwater work because um, we're not trying to tax them too hard in terms of swimming efforts. So we're, you know, holding our breath a little bit more and doing some underwater dolphin kick and, and a lot of fish kick drills um, and, and things again, just trying to get their body awareness and, you know, the rhythm back into their, the aquatic rhythm, if you will, back into their body. So. Yeah, definitely. That's that, that, that sounds like I always liked that time of season. It sounds cool. I think it's, you know, a blessing in disguise that because of this pandemic, um, lots of teams have been able to kind of take a step back, you know, swimmers have been able to take weeks and or months away from the pool. And it seems like, you know, you don't really lose as much as you, uh, might have otherwise thought. Yeah. Which is, it's interesting. Um, and and a lot of the athletes that we worked a lot of, uh, you know, a lot with technique last year Mm -hmm. and they just, you know, they, they got some of it, but weren't able to necessarily completely process it and put it into their everyday stroke. It's like something with what happened in quarantine, like connected those synapses and, and, they're hopping in the water and we're resetting. And I'm like, you look better than you did at any point last year, at least from a technique standpoint. And so, um, you know, we're, you know, you got to kind of have to deal to play the cards you were dealt. And, and so we're making the best of this. And, and honestly, I think from our perspective, we're really excited about, about what this is allowing us to do as a staff and as a team. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so to wrap this, to wrap our conversation up, kind of moving forward the next, you know, obviously who, who knows what's happening. Uh, moving forward, um, there's a lot of uncertainty. But in the, for for you personally, as as the head coach of your team, the next couple weeks, next couple months, um, what's your goal or goals uh, short term? What are you looking forward to? What are you looking for from your staff and your team? Yeah, I, I think first and foremost, we want to just continue to get to know the program because we still, you know, are, are technically new here, and so we want to continue to build those relationships and and. And, and really make the connections with the athletes. Um, we want to continue to teach and, and expand what, what we want to bring to this program and, and have them learn it. Um, but in a way that we can do it patiently without being like, Oh my God, we have a meet in three weeks. We need to scrap everything and just start training. Um, so I, you know, really take our time to do things the right way and, and set that tone in the culture and uh, you know, and then, and then start to get the competitive juices flowing. We want to, we're going to do a number of inner squad and, and time trial type of, um, situations where we're in the process of organizing several virtual meets with, with different teams around the country. Um, again, just to, just to keep that edge and, and to keep connect what we're doing in practice to, to something that they can see in terms of a race and a time and, and things like that. Um, and then, you know, hopefully by the end of the semester, we have a few meets on our schedule that still haven't been canceled. So if, 
late November and, and December rolls around, fingers crossed, we can, you know, stick with it. Um, we should have some, some real and, and some pretty good competition at the end of the semester and then definitely beyond. But, uh, you know, we're, we're not in a rush to get there. We know we have a lot of time and, and we're, we're being patient with it. Gotcha. Well, Brant, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with me a bit and, and giving me some perspective on, uh, on Army West Point and the coach's journey. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And if, if you ever are up in the area, we have an amazing uh, breakfast restaurant, that phenomenal pancakes. So you could do your, uh, you know, your pancakes in practice uh, right here in uh, West Point. Yeah, you, uh, y you know what I like, you know what I'm about. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to get back on the road again for sure uh, once, you know, once I can. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, you know, you sold me with the Hudson in the Hills view. <laughs> I, I Googled it while you were talking about it and it looks pretty great. So that's yeah, amazing. Um, I'm sure the pancakes are just as good. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's been, it's been fun. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.